I was thinking about our text this morning, and the imagery is, is clear. It's an image that is uh, painted for us and elsewhere in Scripture. Um, but the, the human body is quite the creation, if you think about it. I, I don't know how often you, you think about that, that concept or that thought, but really, if you, if you look at how we're made, it's quite a creation, made up of 206 bones, about 600 muscles. If you were to stretch all of the veins in our human body from end to end, it's 100,000 miles long. There's 10 major systems in the human body that work together, the skeletal, muscular, nervous system, endocrine, cardiovascular, and others. The human brain itself has enough power, electrical power in it, 23 watts, that it can generate a small light bulb. So like if you're ever out of power, just find a way to hook a lead up to your brain. You, you think about how we're put together, right? There's just a, a dynamic, unique creative process in that and it reminds me again and again of what the psalmist said that we are truly fearfully and wonderfully made Uh, it's it's amazing on a normal day though how many of us think about all those things and the many others that make us who we are well we don't because when everything is working as it should we just live Right? I'm not thinking about my skeletal system when it's functioning as it should. But when something is not right, our body instantly clues us in and warns us that something is not right, whether it's aches and pains or fatigue or a fever or something else, right? There's an alarm system that goes off. These warnings are trying to get our attention that something is wrong. And so from a very practical standpoint, can I just say, if your warning system's going off, get it checked out, right? That, that's my helpful, practical advice right now. But like when I think about you know, the, the, the way that everything is made and how often we don't consider all the pieces that are, are put together, it reminded me, like I don't often think of my little toe, I don't, right? Now I said that and everyone's thinking about their little toe. Um, but about over 10 years ago, I, I thought about my pinky toe a lot because I was loading firewood into our home uh, in New York and I dropped a piece on my pinky toe. And I thought about it a lot over two or three weeks. And I never thought something so small could hurt so much. Now, this morning, we are confronted with the beauty and diversity of the body of Christ. And that's the picture, right? God uses the canvas of what he made to show us and point our attention to the beauty and diversity that exists amongst us. We're a functioning body as Christ is our head. That in the kindness of God, we have been put together in a special way. I'm continually, and when I say amazed, not amazed, shocked, but amazed by grace. 
that God and his providence fit us together. I mean, if you look around, and you can do that if you want to, there is a unique diversity and commonality in who we are this morning. And this is just a microcosm, right? This is a small sliver of something that is universal, that has existed for 2,000 years, and that will exist for all of time. That the body of Christ is truly an amazing spiritual gift to the church. Our relationship with Jesus focuses often on our relationship with one another. As we follow the Lord Jesus Christ, the scriptures challenge us again and again to do it together as one body. When the scriptures in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 challenge us to not forsake the assembling together, it's for a purpose because we need each other. We need each other. We don't always act like it, right? We don't. If we're honest, we don't. But we do. We need each other more and more all the time because there is a day drawing near when the Lord returns that we need to encourage each other and fan the flame of faith in each other that that day is soon coming and so that we don't lose heart along the way as the waves of life beat against us. And as we often find ourselves walking in the valley of the shadow of death, we need to know that not only God is with us, but he has given us a tangible representation of people that not only think like us, but they love the one who died on the cross like us. And they are there to walk with us through the most difficult times. And then we encourage each other, we strengthen each other, we pray for each other, we exhort each other, we admonish each other, we teach each other. We, we have all of these one another's as we celebrate fellowship together and pray together and all these things that God has fit together in this unique community that he calls the church. And he calls us to consider its diversity and beauty. And it reminds me, that it is absolutely critical that we understand what the local church is and means in our lives. I, I, it, it's God's sovereignty in this, but I, I can't pick a better time or a better place than right now for this passage to come up in the life of our church. I mean, we just, we're, we're coming through a pandemic, Right? Last year at this time was a lot different than this year. Um, and, and, you know, we're, we're learning a lot and we've lost a lot. And so we come to these wonderful challenges in Romans 12 that I hope put wind in your sails as you consider the beauty and diversity of the local gathering of the believers of the church. It's clear this morning in our passage, and, and, and I'm going to be very specific, but this might apply if Northampton Bible Church isn't your church home, um, if you're visiting with us or, or those things. But, but very specifically, 
as we walk through this passage together, there's one thing I, well, there's really two things I want you to see. The first thing is NABC needs you to use your gifts. Needs you to use your gifts that God has given you. Like as we look at this passage in the way that Paul expounds upon the, the uniqueness and diversity of the body of Christ, you need to understand that God has gifted you. You need to understand what your gifts are. And you need to use those gifts because it is important to us as a body of believers that you use what God has put inside of you for his glory and for the strengthening of the local church. And the second thing that I want you to see this morning is that God saw no other way than to provide this church to you so that you will grow in the image of Christ. Like you're not here by an accident. And this isn't a place that you just attend This is a place that we belong to. We belong to each other and the Lord. And I I hope you know by now, if if you haven't been with us too long, but I hope you know, um, you know, in leadership, we take the responsibility of your spiritual care. Very important. I mean, it is our highest desire and aim to see you conformed into the image of Christ. And in God's providence, he saw no other way than to provide this church for you as you grow into the image of Jesus. Because God knows we can't do it well by ourselves. And so he, he's placed us together. Now, I worry that sometimes our church can be a come, listen, and leave kind of church, right? A Sunday morning experience. We come in the doors, we sit down, we sing, we hear a sermon, <clears throat> And we leave. But I don't want that to be the case. Like this is the tip of the iceberg experience. What we're doing right now. And then everything that we desire to do. And if you look at your bulletin, right? There's a whole lot there. And it can seem overwhelming. We've got this thing and we're doing that thing. And, and are you available for this time to be involved with this? And we have this ministry going on to these people. And the list seems to go on and on. And you think, oh my word. I think it's a full-time job if I want to com- commit myself to the local church here. But that's, there's a reason behind that. Because we believe that this place is the place that God has set apart in our lives to be together as we grow into the image of His Son. And it is ordained by God. This is not the invention of man. This is the, the gift of God to His people that we are here together. And, and so... You know, I don't want us to just have an experience of Sunday morning and leaving and think, oh, I'll pick up next week where I left off. That it's all the other things. And we've been trying to do better and we're working harder at connecting with each other outside of the walls of the church. But you're not going to grow and you're not going to be healthy if you just have a passive experience in the body of Christ. If you belong to Jesus Christ, God wants you to be engaged in the body of Christ. He does. And you can disagree with me and you can say that seems heavy handed and you're just trying to strong arm me into more church involvement. I am not at all. With great conviction, I stand here and say this is God's desire for you and for me that we be together. And without you, this body can't be what it needs to be. It can't. So this morning, we're going to look at a passage that speaks to the mutual commitment that we are to have one to another 
And as a result, use the gifts that God has given each one of us to serve each other in the body of Christ. And as we use those gifts, the the joy of that is as each one of us understands, uses, and develops our gifts that God has given. And we're going to talk about that in in a few minutes. Um, That helps each other grow in maturity. Now, these gifts that, that we have are called spiritual gifts. Uh, We're going to discuss it more comprehensively in a moment, but one of the things that we're going to see this morning is that each one of us, I hope you hear me say this, like if your head's down or maybe you've drifted off, you're going to wake up right now and say, and hear me say this, each one of us in Jesus Christ has spiritual gifts, each one. There's not just a few interspersed in the group. There's not just a small group of people that have reached a certain ranking, but that if you are in Jesus Christ, if you are a child of God purchased by the blood of Christ, you have inside of you a gift from God that he intends on you using, not for yourself, but for the people that are sitting next to you. That's what a spiritual gift is. And we're going to develop this understanding in a few moments. But what that tells me when we read a passage like this is that each one of you is unique. Some more than others, right? Each one of you is unique. You have a giftedness. You have an important part to play in the local church. It also tells me that our church needs to help you to understand your gifts, use your gifts, and develop them. Like That's our responsibility, to come alongside of you and help you to understand that you are unique and gifted by God for the work of the ministry, and that to use your gifts is to be in the will of God. As you use them for his glory. Now listen, from time to time, especially now, we often express ministry needs in our church. And you know that. Pastor Dustin will come up and he'll say, hey, look in your bulletin. We have some needs for children's workers or nursery help. Or we need this or we need that, right? Doesn't it seem like we're often like, hey, we need help. The, the thing is, as you think about that question that kind of hangs over our church, and it's not just our church, it's every church. As the ministry grows, the needs of ministry grow. We never get to the point of full self-sufficiency. Because as we grow dynamically in the body of Christ, the ministry needs grow dynamically in the body of Christ, and we have new opportunities to use our gifts. And I believe, I, I, I'm, I'm sure of this, that right now, even with the ministry needs that we have, God has given us the people to serve in those ministries. And so in that, that tension that exists of the help that we need and the ministries that we have, I'm content in understanding that, God, if this is the ministry that you've called us to here at this church to exercise ourselves in these ways, I also believe, God, that you've given us the people to be a part of those ministries because each person that belongs to Jesus is gifted in a unique way to express their, their gifts for the body of Christ. 
And I love where this fits into Paul's letter to the church in Rome. We talked about this last week. After 11 chapters of doctrine about the doctrines of our salvation, where we came from as sinners who, who were objects of God's wrath and now being justified through faith in Jesus Christ as Jesus took our place and we are put together in a relationship with God by faith and we walk with God and he's poured his spirit out into us and he has wonderfully reminded us of his wonderful grace in saving us. That last week we were called and challenged to do what? Offer our lives as a living sacrifice to God. And that is our spiritual service to Him. That we lay down on the altar before God as a living and complete sacrifice that's acceptable. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we talked about what the renewing of our mind means. It means that as we are in the Word of God, and as the Word of God is working out from our heart out, our, our, our minds are renewed from the inside out. And the next thing that Paul calls us to is what? Know your gifts and use them. As you lay your life down on the altar... And are transformed from the inside out from the word of God or by the word of God. The next thing that Paul says based on everything that we've been looking at in Romans to this point is as you belong to Christ, you also belong to each other. And so use your gifts. Use what God has put inside of you, not for yourself, but to impact those around you. Our lives are transformed as we give them to God and through His Word. He changes us more and more. So the next step in the process is that we understand that we have gifts. Look at verses 3 through 8. Let me read these for you. And I want you to be thinking about all the things that we've been saying to this point. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. That's the next thing for us to think about. To use our gifts. Why? Because we belong to each other. As we belong to the Lord. The next step is to commit yourself to the local church. 
You lay yourself down on the altar, you transform from the inside out through the word of God, and you belong to the local church. Not in a membership way, so you can vote in an annual meeting, but you belong to each other in the local church. And that you use your gifts, the gifts that God has given you, to build up and strengthen the body of Christ. It is crucial to your living offering to God that you do so. The church community is vital to believers who walk with the Lord because it helps us stave off that temptation that we can do this alone. How's that working throughout the pandemic? That's the one thing that I've hated about the pandemic is isolation. The cutting off of community. And people are suffering desperately, emotionally, spiritually, socially, as a result of being cut off from community. And it's happened in the church. Like, it's not just an out there problem, it's an in here problem too. We've cut ourselves off and, and, and we've kind of chalked it up to the new norm. There is no new norm. The norm is we share life together. We walk together. We encourage each other. We've had to be creative with it. But it's reminded me again and again and again of the unique, special gift that the community of faith is to the people of God. We desperately need each other. Listen, if we miss the truths of this text, we, we veer into dangerous ground of, of spending too much time on things that really don't matter. You know what I see in, in Romans 12, verses 3 through 8? A warning sign that says, don't waste your life. Don't waste your life. Because if you can understand what God has done in you and is, is working through you, and you can share that, with other people. That's a life that is fulfilled in the will of God. If you're a child of God this morning, you belong to the only community on earth that will last forever. Now you can have other, you know, local community kind of uh, membership. You can join this club and do that thing. It's not going to last forever. The joy of this is the time that you put in it lasts forever, and it just pays out forever. That's, that's a wonderful reminder of, of what's happening and what's going on. But the danger is, if we miss this, if we, if, if we just file things like this away, like, oh, well, you know, I'll go to church but not be a part of the church, the danger is all of us have to give an account before the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 says that we must all appear before the judgment seat of the Lord. We must all appear before the judgment seat of the Lord. And you might think, I thought that was taken care of by the cross. I didn't think there was going to be a judgment seat. I thought that was for unbelievers at the end of time. No. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.10, every believer will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and to give an account for what they have done in the body for the Lord. All of us. Now, the great thing is there is no judgment in the sense of, oh, terrible, you're separated from me. No, we will never be separated from the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. Never. But 
this judgment comes as a, at a critical time in the life of the church when God collects the church to himself, when Jesus comes in the air for his people, and we will stand before his judgment seat, and, and we will give an account for how we have lived in this life. And, and you know what part of that judgment is? God has gifted you with spiritual gifts, and he's going to ask you how you have used them for his glory. We've got to be thinking through these kind of things. Now, I don't want that to be a, a, a cloud of judgment that hangs over you, but I, I want you to understand God's put something inside of you that is unique to you, and you need to understand it and use it because there will come a day when you will give an account for it. I believe the biggest key for us to not live a life wasted, one where we can stand at the judgment seat of Christ with joy and not fear, is to know and use our spiritual gifts. To understand how God has, has gifted us. In verse 3, Paul's charge begins with a call to humility. He says, through the grace given to me. It's the same grace that met him on the Damascus road. And changed this enemy of Christ into a child of God. He says, through the grace given to me. And then he says, I say to everyone among you. He doesn't say to the church leadership. He doesn't say to the church members. He doesn't say to the people that are only doing these things. But as he writes this letter to this church that is situated in the city of Rome, the capital of the known world, he says to everyone among you. Everyone among you. I want you to understand something. And it's this. Not any of you, not one of you is more important than anyone else. This is a great verse on humility. Not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. Listen, the Christian life is one where we are always reminding ourselves through being transformed by the renewing of our minds that our lives have been bought with a precious price. That none of us can say, I'm better off than you. The Christian life is a life of humility. It's a life of understanding where you came from and where you are now and how you got there. It's a life of reminding yourself of the gospel again and then again and again. And as such, we're not ours anymore. We've been bought with a price God has changed our hearts and minds and we put on the mind of Christ and we follow the example of our Savior who died for us when he said in Mark 10, 45, I came to serve and not be served. And I came to give my life as a ransom for many. And so we are called to think not more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. We are to think so as to have sound judgment this is the idea of thinking soberly as to have the biblical perspective that we are slaves of God, as Romans 6 indicates. We were bought with a price and we belong to God. We are slaves to one another, as Galatians 5.13 indicates. And we are called to have the same attitude of the Lord Jesus Christ 
and putting the interest of others ahead of our own, as Paul reminded us in Philippians 2, verses 3 through 10. Have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus. And he left heaven and everything that was his as the eternal son of God in heaven to come live here. And he gave his life as a ransom for many. And we are called to that kind of attitude as his children. And we do so as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. This faith isn't faith in God. It's not saying, well, I have incredible faith. We do so in, in, in the amount of faith that I have or that we have. No, the context, as verse 6 indicates, when we read, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly, if prophecy according to the proportion of his faith. So this, this measure of faith that we are called to is an understanding of the gifts that God has given each one of us. This measure of faith is the belief that God has provided for us the ability to give us gifts to serve Him and His body. Now, verses 4 through 5, this call to use our gifts is given within the context of belonging to each other. Listen, God's gifted you, but why has He gifted you? For just as we have many members in one body and all members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. God's gifted us for someone else. He's gifted you so that you can encourage someone else. Just as we have many members in one body. Now, this isn't a reference to church membership, but being a member of the household of faith and being a part of the body of Christ. Just as we have many members. I mean, look around. There's many members This is just a microcosm of the beauty and diversity of the body of Christ, the universal body of Christ. Many members, and yet all the members do not have the same function. There's beauty and diversity. We don't all do the same things. If any of the parts of the body tries to function in another way than it was intended to function, the body is crippled. And just as the different parts of our body do not do the same thing, so it is with the body of Christ. The diversity of the body is crucial. It really is. I love the fact that we are unique, even here. And practically speaking, aren't you glad that we don't all have the same function? There are things that you can do in your giftedness that I can't do. Really? Aren't you glad in a very practical way that we're not all the same? This place would be really boring. Really would. You all have ministered to me in ways that are unique and necessary. I have seen your gifts at work. And it's been a ministry to my heart. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12. This is that very famous passage on the body and these gifts. 
This is what Paul says here about the body and spiritual gifts. Now concerning spiritual gifts, verse 1, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. So we know that's the focus. And then we read uh, in verses 12 and following, for even as the body is one and yet have, has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized in one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body, which seem to be weaker, are necessary. And those members of the body, which, which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor. And our less presentable members become much more presentable. Whereas, one, whereas our more presentable members have no need of it, but God has so composed the body, given more abundant honor to that member which lacked, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. You see how that picture fits right into Romans 12. Paul says in, in five or six verses in Romans 12, this is what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. And then in, in 1 Corinthians 12, he expounds upon it. And he says, let me give you the grand picture of what I mean. And it's basically this. Don't worry about your place in the body of Christ. Because God has you exactly where he wants you and he will use you if you trust him with it because what you have and who you are is essential to everyone else. So don't worry if you're an ear and you're like, I want to see. And don't worry if you're an eye and you say, I want to hear and, and all those things. God isn't concerned about comparing one to another. What he is concerned about is for us to understand where he has gifted us and where he has placed us so that we can use what he has put inside of us to help each other. Because if we don't get that, if we miss this, everyone's going to hurt. If the hand stops being a hand, how are we going to pick anything up? If the eye stops being an eye, how are we going to see where to go? You might say, well, I feel like an appendix or a tonsil or a belly button. What's my purpose? God has a purpose for you where you are. And it is critical as a child of God for you to understand where he has put you in your giftedness. Now, next week, we're going to develop this in a lot bigger way because we're going to look at these other passages. We're going to look at the different gifts and we're going to look at different ways that we can know our gifts, use our gifts, 
and develop them. But when we look at this picture, Paul tells us we who are many are one body in Christ. We're in this together. It's us. Together. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. I wouldn't want to spend eternity anywhere else with anyone else. We who are many are one body in Christ. When one hurts, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, we all hurt. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. We were never meant to be alone. Never. There is no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian. And more and more we see the ministry of presence is more important than we realize. We, who are many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Vertically, we belong to Christ as part of the body. Horizontally, we belong to each other. The body of Christ is a unified organism. It is not a stale organization. We're going to have a membership meeting and you're going to think, oh, we're reading minutes, we're reading reports, we're reporting on this. It seems like what, what I did in my bowling league when we had our membership meeting for the bowling league. And you might think, well, this is what we do because we're an organization. We're not an organization. We're alive. And we're eternal. There's mutuality in the church. We cannot work independently, effectively. The realization of this, the necessity of each other should keep us humble as we understand it takes each one of us to understand how God has made us so that the body can move and do the things that God wants it to do. I said this a few weeks ago in one of the videos I sent out in August as we prepared for fall ministry here. But the ministry of mutuality means this. There is nothing that I do in my life personally that doesn't affect you. And there is nothing that you do in your life personally that doesn't affect me. We belong to each other. The scriptures cannot stress enough just how vital it is that we share this life together. And Paul says in verse 6, of Romans 12. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. Built on the foundation of the mutual belonging, Paul now calls us to consider the gifts that God has given us to serve each other in the body of Christ. And since we have gifts that differ, yours are different than mine. We use them, we exercise them accordingly. The body of Christ is diverse. That means none of us have all the gifts. If we had all the gifts, we wouldn't need the body. We'd be on our own island doing our own thing. And boy, would that be a lonely existence. But we don't have all the gifts. These gifts are spiritual gifts according to the grace given to us. According to the grace. They are grace gifts. They are not talents or abilities. 
Listen, if, if you could hit a golf ball 300 yards down the fairway before you were a Christian and you became a Christian and it went 305 yards, it's not because that's some kind of spiritual gift. These are not talents or abilities. You may be an athlete. You may be able to use your intellect. You may have certain talents for sports or music or working with your hands, but those are not spiritual gifts. Those are things that God has given you that you can do, but they're not spiritual gifts. They can be coupled with spiritual gifts. So what do I mean by spiritual gift? What is it? Well, verse 6 indicates that they are given as a gift of grace. And this means that these spiritual gifts are given by God at the moment of our salvation. The very instant that you became a born-again Christian, God gave you his spirit as a pledge of all the promises that he's going to give you in the future. And when the Holy Spirit took up residence in your heart, the Holy Spirit gifted you with the ability to serve in the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11 indicates that the Holy Spirit distributes the gifts as he wills. It's not like when we become a Christian, we get this brochure that we can say, okay, what are the things that we want to do in the body of Christ? Pick three. It doesn't work that way. The Holy Spirit comes into our hearts and he says, okay, this is now how I am using you in the body of Christ. These gifts are given to every believer. Nobody is left out. If you are a child of God, he has equipped you with gifts to serve him. Nobody is left on the bench. There's no last picks. All of us are critical and crucial to the plan of God for his church. Even if folks share the same gifts, right? In a, in a group even this large, there's going to be multiple of the same gifts. And you might say, well, they have it. I don't need to use it. Nope. Everyone needs to use their gifts so that the body can grow and mature. A spiritual gift then is a God-given ability to serve the body of Christ that would not exist without him giving it first. So what are they then? Well, more on that next week because there's a list. I don't think the list is absolutely comprehensive. I think it, it reminds us, it introduces us to the fact that this is how God gifts his people. What we need to understand is you may have one gift, you may have two gifts, you may have three gifts, but you don't have the whole package of gifts. But we're going to look at these different passages. We're going to talk about what these gifts mean. Some of them are introduced in Romans 12, 6 through 8. And then we're going to talk about ways that we can discover, use, and develop them. But it's been my focus this morning to help you to understand your vital place in the body of Christ here. We may not all do the same things, but your place is vital to the strength of the body of Christ. When you're not here, oh boy, take this the way that I mean it. When you are not here, the body is weaker. 
We need you. We need your gifts. We need you to be used by God in unique ways for his glory. It's of the utmost importance that you understand your value here at North Anvil Bible Church. It is our utmost responsibility to cultivate and celebrate your gifts here at North Anvil Bible Church. Now listen, this is not a commercial for you to sign up for everything that we need you to do. I wish it worked that way. It doesn't. But it does mean that God may have gifted you in a special way to meet those ministry needs and you're just not aware of it yet. So what is that going to look like? We'll talk about that next week. It also means that these gifts that God gives do not expire. There's no expiration date on these gifts. Let me say that again. There is no expiration date on spiritual gifts. What I mean by that is that nobody gets to retire in the exercising of their spiritual gifts. You know what I've found? Your gifts only get stronger with time as you develop them and they are matured. Can I gently encourage you that if you have ever said out loud or in your mind, it's time for someone else to step up. You can't say that in the body of Christ. That's not the reason why God has given gifts. Listen, you can retire in heaven and it's going to be great. You can cash in that day. But until you get there, spend your life for the church. And God will bless you and use you beyond, more, beyond all that you can ask or think. So we belong to each other, church, as we belong to the Lord, and we need each other. I pray that you've been challenged this morning to consider your unique place, your necessary place. And next week, I'm looking forward, and you better be here. <laughs> don't say to me, oh, you know, it's a really nice day, so I'm going to go for a bike ride because I don't want to hear about all the things that I could be doing. <laughs> you need to come back so that you can understand what your gifts are and how to use them. I'm excited. I truly believe that God has who he wants here, and we're not done yet. But as he adds to the members here, the ministry grows, and God's people grows with him. So let's pray and just ask God to continue to cultivate these things in our hearts. God, we thank you.